Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we will continue our study of the first book of Kings, Melachim Aleph. We are at Perak Zion, that is chapter 7. We just finished in Perak Vav, that was chapter 6, um, the discussion of the building of the structure of the Beit HaMikdash, of the Holy Temple. Today we go off on a on a small tangent which is very curiously placed in the middle of the construction of the Beit HaMikdash of the Temple. And that is we discuss the building of Shlomo, King Solomon's own palace or palaces. Well, you'll see why I said that in the, either plural or singular in a minute. But And it's kind of curiously placed here and one gets the feeling one gets the sense as one reads these chapters that this is either good or bad. You know, get the sense that that um, this could be okay. A king uh, building a palace is important for the nation. It's an it's an important symbol of power, important symbol of 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 the office and the honor for the office of the king. But it also gives you the sense that it could potentially lead to um, to ostentatiousness. Uh, to um, uh, lead one away, the king away from his mission of bringing the people closer to God. So, <clears throat> and in Shlomo's life, we get the feeling that that this might be okay. So it's not necessarily a criticism, but the seeds of what will eventually be Shlomo's downfall are being laid here. That's the feeling one gets. However, while we read this, we don't get the. Uh, uh, sense right away that this is necessarily a terrible thing. So we had Beito Bana Shlomo and his house Shlomo built Shlosh enough for 13 years by Echalet Kolbeso and those 13 years were enough for him to complete his entire home. Um, the, the, we, to note the last, the last, the most recent verse we studied, the last verse of the previous chapter said that the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, took seven years. So one can look at this several ways. The traditional understanding, according to the traditional commentaries, is that uh, it took him 13 years to build his house because he wasn't as um, um, in a rush to build it. He didn't, you know, he wasn't as excited. He wasn't as in a rush, and he took his time, you know, and so on. It's, this is somewhat of a compliment that the temple itself, he made sure to do it done quickly and expeditiously, whereas his house was less important. One can also see it another way, that he spent more time devoted to the building of his house than the building of the temple. This ambiguousness is probably intentional. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. We'll see. Unfortunately, uh, we'll see that it did lead eventually to bad things. But at this point, it doesn't have to be that way. So the first thing we see what he built is this Vayiven, this is verse 2, at Beit Yar Halevanon, the house of the Lebanon forest. Some think that Beit Yar Halevanon is just another name of his palace, and it was called the Yar Halevanon because, as we'll see, it was built with Lebanon uh, uh, cedar from Lebanon. Um, uh, others understand, and this is the traditional understanding of Rashi in the Targum Yonatan, that this is actually discussing in another house, um, possibly on the campus of the um, of the of the palace, which was a summer home. It was the Yar Halibanon because it was built like a forest to be cool and and a place to go for the summer. So uh, we'll go with that understanding right now that it was another house. 
um, if it, it was a name for the palace, then it would be another portion. So, so, so it would still be a, another building for us to discuss. And as before, I'm not super excited about reading all of the measurements back and forth, but we'll we'll try to find things among the measurements that can that that stand out as lessons that we can learn. Mea ama arko. It was a hundred amot in length, vachamishim amorachbo, and fifty amot. Uh, wide, ushloshim amokomato, and 30 amo, 30 uh, cubits in height. <coughs> and it was built al arba'a ture amude arazim. It was built <coughs> on four, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> four rows of cedar pillars, ukhrutot arazim al hamudim, and there were um, uh, cedar beams that were cut that were rested on top of these beams. Vesafuz boeres mimal alatz laot, and on top the uh, uh, ceiling was was paneled with cedar wood, asher alamudim, which were placed on the panels. Arboim vachamisha, there were forty five such panels or forty five such columns. Chamisha asurator, each one had fifteen, so there were four rows of fifteen each for uh, making forty five. Um, does that make sense? No, not really. Um, uh, sorry about that. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah, so exactly how this works out, I'm not going to spend time figuring it out. Ushikufim Shloshat Turim, there were windows on three, there were three rows of windows, and each one faced each other on, on three levels. On the three levels, and each of on all of the entrance ways and the door posts were squared. Um, and each one uh, faced each other on, on three levels. Uh, again, I'm not going to spend time uh, describing exactly these measurements. There are books out there which have diagrams and pictures that explain how this might have looked. But that's not the point. The eight ulam hamudim and then he made a ulam, a room of pillars, which was chamishim arko, which was fifty amot in length, ushloshim amarachpo, and thirty amot in width. Ulam al paneim va'amudim va'av al paneim, and there was um, there was a uh, ulam, an entrance way to get into this special room, and the pillars and a and a canopy like a shading canopy above them was on top of them some sort of a and some similar I guess what we would call today an awning but more elaborate than that now the point uh, many understand this as being a room full of pillars which made one feel as if one was walking into a forest so this must have been a very impressive room and this may be the reason why it was called the Yar Halev Unknown, the building that was the Lebanon forest this made one feel as if one was walking into a forest and now we focus away from that building, the Yarhal, the building of the Yarhal of Unknown, which may have been his summer palace, uh, or it may have just been a building, an impressive building. Um, the throne room, which he used to <coughs> to rule from, he made a, a, a throne room, <coughs> a, a room for justice. It was covered with cedar planks, cedar wood. From floor to floor, it was paneled with cedar. In his primary residence, 
the house that he used as a primary residence in Chatzar HaCheres, which is, had another yard that led to that house, Mibesla Ulam, which was uh, behind uh, the Ulam, this this uh, entry room. Kema'aseh um, was also made in a similar way. In other words, with cedar wood, with paneled with cedar, etc. Paro, and he also made a house for the daughter of Paro, the daughter of Pharaoh, that Shlomo had taken similar also like with this courtyard as well. So the um the, the, there's a few things here that's important. Um it doesn't describe that much the house that he made, except what it was constructed of. This entire building or complex was actually larger than the temple itself, which is something based on the measurements and, uh, and, and something which we should keep in mind, which might be a sign of, of a problem. Um, <clears throat> and also, although it was lower in, in construction, the Beit HaMikdash, as we know from other verses, was higher on the hill, so it would have been, it would have stood above everything, but the actual building itself was not as tall. Now the um, the fact that it says here he made a building for the Bat Paro for the daughter of Paro gives one the sense that uh, at this time either Shlomo only had one wife, although we'll find out soon that he had many many wives, um, uh, but uh, or, or it's more more likely that the Bat Paro is telling us that this was his primary wife, right, the, his main wife, or it could be that this Bat Paro was most prominent because she was politically the most important. Uh, we'll see it in a little bit, uh, you know, but Egypt being one of the, if not the major power of the day in the region, his alliance with Paro was an ex extremely important alliance. It kept safety on his entire southern flank. Um, and uh, having this alliance with Paro was very important. Uh, so the fact that he built a special house for the Bat Paro was a sign of his special uh, attention to her in order to solidify and make sure this alliance remains strong. So those are all possibilities, all such suggestions, which one is true, I have no way of knowing. So verse 9, call Elav All of these buildings um, were um, uh, from, from the, were, were the, the structure of the uh, buildings, in other words, this is not the Beit Yaral of Anon, but these other buildings, were made of um, stones that were cut, uh, and presumably in this case they actually used uh, cut stones, you know, iron, as opposed to the building of the temple, which they were only cut at the quarry. But here there was no reason to do that. So uh, remember we said that because the house of God is a house of peace, not a house of, uh, of war, and 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 metal tools are implements of war. But here these were cut. Migarorot bamegera mibayitu michutz that were um, that were uh, shaved down with uh, you know flattened with a uh, megera from inside and outside so that they were shaped properly in size. Umimasod adhat vachot michut adachatzer agdola. These were all um, from the foundation all the way to the um, great uh, to the top and all the way out to the courtyards. From for all the surrounding courtyards, etc., where where the base of the building was made of stone and obviously just paneled with cedar, like we said before, and they were uh, very uh, heavy, very large, and very big stones and very valuable stones. Amos, they were built uh, like it sounds like ten by eight 
uh, uh, cubit. So we're talking about um, 15 feet by um, uh, by 12 feet square, uh, uh, you know, a rectangular shape. So these are immense sized stones, how they move them. <coughs> it's interesting, but we do know that in the ancient days they were able to do this, <coughs> um, as one sees in many archaeological sites. And the um, and on top of the foundations, we the, the there was also big heavy stones, big uh, expensive stones that were measured out to match the um, the uh, the cedar planks. Um, the, so they were cut in order to measure so that they matched the cedar planks that were paneled on top of them. The Chatzer HaGedola Saviv, and then there was a large courtyard that surrounded this entire uh, structure, which was Shlosha Turim Gozis Vitor Kiruzos Arazim, which was um, <coughs> three uh, rows of cut stones and then a row of cedar <coughs> that was cut. And this was true as the as the inner court of God's house, which we also saw was built of stone panel with cedars, and to the um, ulam, the portico, or the entryway room to the house. So all of this was a description of Shlomo's house. Um, like I said, it's you're welcome to choose any of the books out there on diagrams suggesting how this possibly looked, <coughs> but there's. Um, it's hard from these verses to really construct a mental image, but the mental image that we can construct is that this was a very grand building. Uh, the theme of cedar was immense. <coughs> there was, uh, and the beauty of cedar wood is something that all of us are familiar with to this day, uh, and it's something that we can imagine. These immensely sized buildings must have been extremely impressive. Um, even the, I'm just also thinking of the scent of the buildings must have been impressive, especially being familiar with the um, environment um, in the Jerusalem, which at the time was much more wooded than it is today. <coughs> but still, it is uh, somewhat of a desert environment, a drier environment. Walking into these rooms paneled with with uh, thick cedar wood and pillars and windows, it must have been just a truly impressive sight. So. Um, that is the idea. I'm going to go on a little bit more. This is a very long chapter, but I'm going to split it in half because it's so long. <coughs> so we're going to read of one uh, a more important episode here, uh, a pertinent important person who's interesting for many reasons. So now Shlomo is going to go focus back on the Beit HaMikdash and the temple. So <coughs> as we recall, he built the structure of the temple, but now we're going to discuss <coughs> some of the items some of the things that were placed inside the temple and and so on um and uh, we're going to focus away from shlomo's uh, own palace for a moment here so shlomo, exactly when during the construction this took place is unclear <coughs> but shlomo melach sent for and took uh, a person named hiram from tyre now, we know that Hiram was the name of the king of Tyre, but this person, as we'll see in a moment, was not the same person. He was not the king of Tyre, but he had a Tyrian name, which is significant. This Hiram is a Tyrian name, not a, not a Israelite name. But this person was of Israelite descent. He was Ben Isha Almanahu Mimate Naftali. He was the son 
of a widowed woman from the Shevet, <coughs> from the tribe of Naphtali. The way this reads, the simple reading is that um, his mother was a Jewish woman from the tribe of Naphtali. The uh, Aviv and his father was Ish Tzori, was a Tyrian man. So this would give the impression that the father was a man of Tyre, not of Israelite descent. The mother was a widow. Uh, whether she was widowed from someone and then married this man from Tyre, or whether she was widowed from this man who was Tyrian, is unclear. There's other ways to understand this. The traditional way to understand it um, that 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 they were all from Naphtali, and the person and the father was <coughs> Jewish from the beginning, because the not the tribe generally is attributed to the father's side, not the mother's side. So why would it say the mother from Naphtali? I'm not going to go too detailed into these questions. There's a lot of ways to understand it. I read the simple meaning of the verse, but of course, there's a lot of other ways it can be read. Now, the, the father is, is, is a Tyrian man. Now, he could be Tyrian, like I said, because he actually was, or it could be because he lived in Tyre for such a long time that he became Tyrian. So here we have a diaspora Jew, interesting, in a time when the the um, when the the kingdom of Israel was at its height, at its highest heights of its of, of the pinnacle of, of its power in history. Um, you already had Jews living in the diaspora, and the significance of Shlomo taking a Jew from the diaspora is something worth thinking about. Uh, remember, all of the cedar wood was from Hiram, was from Tyre, and here he takes a Tyrian man, or, or a Jewish man from Tyre. So what did he have that was special? Choresh Nechoshet, he was a person who uh, was a bronze worker, or a coppersmith. Um, and he was filled with wisdom and understanding and knowledge, presumably all of knowledge and skills that he needed to do all kinds of things with bronze. Um, and he came to the king Shlomo and he was the one who did all of the bronze work that was done in the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, and possibly also for Shlomo's house, although that's we don't know specifically of that. <coughs> But one of the things this guy did, this Chiram did, <coughs> was in the Beit HaMikdash he made two massive columns, uh, giant poles. The height of one was 18 amot, that is, that is would be uh, roughly um, 27 feet high, although the exact measurement of an ama is not 100% certain, <coughs> but it's roughly 18 inches. And the second one was um, <coughs> 12 cubits in circumference. So it's 12 amot in circumference. So we're talking a, 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 a massive a post, <coughs> um, and two of them. It's interesting how it says the height measurement of one and the circumference measurement of the other, the assumption being that each one was the same dimensions, <coughs> and so it mentions one of the dimensions in reference to each post. Ushtekotarot asa, and he made two capitals, latet al to place on the top of these capitals, which were, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> also cast made out of bronze, which five amot of one capital. So this is in addition to the height 
the 18 cubits before this is another five cubits so that's another uh seven and a half feet right and another five on the other capital on the other one and then there was all kinds of uh, decorative ornamentation on these capitals there were uh, meshwork of of that were made of meshwork so the the metal appearing to be like um like uh, woven together and there were uh, ropes coming down which looked like chains Lakota wrote from the capitals Ashal Osham that was on top of the pillars. Shiva Lakotarat Achat seven on on one of the capitals of Shiva Lakotarat seven on the other. So you can use your imagination to imagine what this might have looked like. Exactly what it looked like is difficult to know, but but one does get the impression that the artwork and the craftsmanship was spectacular. And it must have been extremely impressive. And he made the columns in such a way that there were rows on one of the um, of of the meshworks. There was two rows that was on top of the rows of pomegranates. So there was like these uh, rows of of like pomegranates, meaning like balls. Of, of metal going all around. He did the same thing. Each one was matching on the other temple. There was uh, the makings of, of what looked like like Shoshan here is a flower, right? Um, uh, designs um, uh, that, that, that the capitals on top were like that. And the two capitals on the two columns, Gam Mimal Miluumata Beten, which were um above the um the the uh, belly or the middle, Asherla Aver Hasvacha, which was on the side of the area where there was this woven meshwork, Varimonim Masayim Turim Saviv, and then the uh, and the and there was the rows of pomegranates were 200 uh, bulges the pomegranate like ball designs on the second on the second capital so these the, the idea being these are spectacular with incredible artwork and incredible craftsmanship and and massive in size and must have been extremely impressive in beauty one thing that's interesting to note is that we don't find any any examples of of images of animals or images of people now we will find which is very important and it's in contrast to most archaeology of those days where you see images of people all the time uh, and but that is important as this is in the temple and an image of a human being certainly does not have a place and images of animals we're going to get to because we're going to see some images of animals soon and we'll discuss them in the next podcast but not in this on these columns he established them Ulam at the Ulam, which is the portico, the room leading into the main, <coughs> into the great hall, the the Heichal, the, the great hall, which is within which the menorah and the uh, altar for the incense and the table for the showbread was located, which was led into the Holy of Holies. So the Ulam was outside and these Amudim stood above there. And he put the right hand uh, Amud, the right-hand pillar, and Vayikra et Shemo Yachin, and he called it the name Yachin, and we'll get to the meaning of the name in a minute. Vayokem et Hamud Hasmoli Vayikra et Shemo Boaz, and he called it Boaz. That um, uh, so 
name Yachinu Boaz. These, this language Yachinu Boaz has made its way into our um, lexicon in, in many ways. Um, you know, over the years, um, 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 which is uh, you know, there's all kinds of books named Yachinu Boaz. It's a symbol of beauty and strength, a symbol of might and grandeur of of the uh, of the temple. Uh, could be viewed as a symbol of might and strength, which inspires one regarding God and so, uh, or regarding the Torah, God's religion, etc. Now. I just wanted to say there's there's various understandings, but of of what these names mean. <coughs> um, one understanding being the understanding of the Radak, who look takes the word Yachin, and um, which is a, a, a language of um, Yachin. He should prepare. He should set up, right? Yachin uboaz that that God. This as these words are like a, a prayer, right? Of Yachin, God should make this building strong, Boaz, and in Him, or meaning that God should place in this building strength. I just wanted to take make a, a little different twist on the same meaning that Yachin is. This is actually should be looked at as um, we should learn something about the about God from these pillars, and that is Yachin that He. Yachin, he is established, meaning he is set forever, uboaz, and within him is strength. So we could learn from those two uh, uh, pillars, those two lessons, and uh, direct our hearts in the right way. Um, I just uh, one more verse regarding these pillars, and we're going to end this uh, podcast. Uh, that's Val Rosham with him, and the, on the top of the pillars, Maasei Shoshan, there was the shape of a flower, Vatitom Lechatam and this completed the work of these, these pillars. So now, uh, this ends the first half of chapter 7 and today's podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for studying this with me. We'll continue in the building of the temple with the next podcast. Uh, Looking forward to studying it together. Have a wonderful day.